Welcome to the February 21st sermon from Clifford Baptist Church, 635 Fletcher's Level Road in Amherst. Today's scripture is John chapter 8, verses 31 through 47, and the sermon is entitled, Who is Your Father? Turn with me. John chapter 8 is where we are. We're continuing our journey through this great gospel written by the last disciple left on earth. The old disciple John, who probably lived into his 90s, which was almost unheard of 2,000 years ago, but by God's grace, he gave John an extra long life. Fifty years before he wrote this gospel, he walked with Jesus in ministry. He heard Jesus speak. He heard the Word of God and the truth of God from Jesus' mouth. He walked with him in miraculous ministry, and he saw people rise from the dead. He was there when Jesus died on the cross, standing by Jesus' mother Mary. He was there to go into the empty tomb after Jesus rose from the dead. And for 50 years, all of those memories percolated in his mind. And then God moved in his heart to take that story, that account of Jesus' life, and write down the high water marks of his ministry in a gospel account. And John obeyed the Lord and wrote down that gospel, and he did it with one thought in mind, and you'll find it in John chapter 20, verses 30, 31. And the one thought that led his mind was this, I want to write down the witness of Jesus Christ so that anyone in the world who reads it can come to him as Savior and Lord. We know that there are great statements of faith in John's gospel. John 3, 16, for God so loved the world. And throughout the gospel, there's an invitation to the Lord Jesus Christ. Today, chapter 8, as we open the chapter, it begins with Jesus forgiving a woman who was caught in the very act of adultery. We've studied that passage of Scripture a couple of weeks ago. You remember a team of religious leaders, scribes and Pharisees, had dragged her before Jesus. It was more about Jesus than it was about her. This was a test of what Jesus would do with someone who was in sin. They wanted to trap him. So they dragged this adulterous woman before Jesus, calling on the Word of God, the law of God, to stone her to death as a sinner. But by the wisdom of God, Jesus says to this group of men holding stones in their hands, ready to stone her to death, he said, the one of you, the one of you who is without sin, you cast the first stone. And stones began falling to the ground because not one could throw a stone knowing that he too was a sinner knowing that he had fallen short of God's call. No one could throw a stone. And as that crowd of angry people were convicted, that crowd around the adulterous woman in Jesus melted away, so it left him and her alone. And as they stood together, he said, Who is here to condemn you? And she said, No one, Lord. And he said, I don't condemn you either. He was the only one who could. He was the only one without sin. He was the only one who could have thrown a stone. He said, I don't condemn you, but I forgive you. And remember, she said, no man, Lord. She called him Lord. It was the acceptance of Jesus as her Savior, and he forgave her of sin. And as he sent her on her way, he said, now, if I'm truly your Lord 
then you go and sin no more. Because when you know me, your life is going to change. And it is still the same truth 2,000 years later. When you know Jesus as your Savior, you'll live by His will and not your own. You lay your will down to accept His will in your life. We grow in that. It's called sanctification. And every day we should be growing and living His will and not our own. Today, if you're here and you're listening to these words and you've never come to Jesus as your Savior, whether you're here in person or listening by the stream, and you've never come to Jesus as your Savior, no matter who you are or where you're from or how much sin is in your background, Jesus, through His cross, will forgive you. Jesus will not condemn you. He will accept you. He will make you His son or His daughter because He died on the cross to take your sin away. I know that to be true because he took my sin away. When I simply as a boy said, Lord Jesus, I accept you as my Savior. I want to live for you. The same truth can be yours today. If you've never received him, he can save you this very minute if you say yes to him and call him Lord. Now, John chapter 8. As this woman leaves Jesus, the crowd then filters back around. They leave, they dissipate so that Jesus is alone with her. But after she leaves, they, they filter back. And there's a mixture of people in this crowd. Some of them believe on Jesus as Lord and Savior. Some of them have put their faith in Him. Some of them are still there with questions and doubts and who is this man and I'm seeking a Savior, but I've got to figure out if this is Him. And then there are others in the crowd who absolutely reject Him and hate Him and are devising a plan to kill Him, to get Him off the face of the earth. In my last sermon... We covered verses 12 through 30. As Jesus relates to the Pharisees, men who hate him, they want to see him dead. Why is that? Because he pointed them out as fakes and phonies. Although they were the teachers of the law of God to the nation of Israel, Jesus said, you're phony, you're fake, because you're teaching God's law, you're teaching the word of God, but you don't know the God of the word. You're teaching it from head knowledge, but you have nothing in your heart. You're dead and godless men, and you're lost. Though you're teaching the Word of God, you're lost men teaching the truths of God. How sad that is. And Jesus gives them the outcome. Look at John chapter 8, verse 24. John 8, 24. Jesus says this, I said therefore unto you that ye shall die in your sins. For if ye believe not that I am he, you shall die in your sins. Jesus gives them the truth that they could not hide behind the facade of being a dressed up teacher of the law with a lost heart. They're still dying in their sin. How sad that is. But today, as we open God's Word, we are going to move on. Jesus still surrounded by this mixed crowd. So we're going to look at verses 31 through 47 today. It's a rather long passage, but i got to keep it together for it to make sense to you. But as we begin this passage, look at verses 31 and 32. This is where we begin. Now, I want you to notice who Jesus is talking to in this moment. So John 8, verse 31 says this. Then said Jesus to those Jews which believed on him. So notice the crowd he's talking to here. He's talking to those who have been saved by his grace. And this is what he says to them. Save people. 
If ye continue in my word, then are ye my disciples indeed. And ye shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. So Jesus here is speaking to young believers, those who had believed on him, those who had entrusted their lives to him. And here's what his main direction is to them. He says, continue in the word of God as you read it and as you hear it. Now remember, these believers didn't have a New Testament. Hadn't been written yet. And so they were believing in the word of God. They had the Old Testament as we know it, the word of the prophet, the word of the law. But they also had the teaching of the apostle and the disciples who were teaching them the truth of God. They were listening to the very word of Jesus Christ as the truth of God. And Jesus tells them, continue in the word of truth. Follow the Lord in discipleship. Follow the Lord in ministry. He has something for you to do in ministry. Don't step to the right or to the left of following the word of God in your life. And he said, when you follow the word of God and you follow the truth of God, that word will make you free. Free of what? How does the word of God free us? As you see that as God's truth 2,000 years ago, truth for today, following the Word of God will free us. It frees us from sin. It frees us from the guilt that sin brings and lays on our shoulders. It frees us to be able to follow the will and the path and the ministry of Jesus in our life. We can't follow His path as a lost person. So Jesus says, when you follow the word of truth and you follow Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, it makes you free. It frees you to do the will of God. Now, we know that this word is the word of truth. Amen? It is the word of truth. And this word, as I hold it in my hand now, is unchangeable, immutable. This word will not be revised. It will not be changed. It is the truth of God. You know, the, the unsaved world says that truth is relative, and truth can be changed. We can move with the wave of how the people feel about what truth is. Certainly an example that I've used many times before, but I come back to it because it's so blatant in these days. But the word of truth applies to the institution of marriage. Genesis chapter 2, verse 24, God sets the parameters for all time to come for what marriage is. Genesis 2, 24 says this, A man shall leave his father and his mother and shall cleave unto his wife, and they shall be one flesh, one family. They're one emotionally. That couple is one spiritually. That couple is one physically. So that they become one family, one unit, married together under the eyes and the grace and the love of God. Marriage will never change by definition of God. And yet in our modern world, the world has said, let's redefine what marriage is. God has defined it as a man and a woman who commit themselves to each other for a lifetime. And that's God's parameter. They become one. Emotionally, spiritually, physically, they become one. But let's change that rule. Let's say that whoever loves another can get married. If they're the same sexual being, they can be married together. 
But the Word of God says absolutely not. It's not our place. It's not our right to change the Word of God. God's Word stands. It is unchangeable. It is immutable. And if we're true disciples, we're not going to tamper with it because it is His stated Word to us. We follow it to the letter. And Jesus says to follow this Word makes us free, free from sin, free from guilt, free from oppression, free from uh, being jerked around by a fickle world. What the world says is truth today might not be truth tomorrow. Jesus said you don't have to follow that. Follow the truth of God because it's going to never change. It's going to be a standard. It's going to be an anchor. It will be the island of truth that you will stand on for all of your life and for all of eternity. The Word of God will never change from here on through eternity. If you read the Word of God today and you commit that Word of God to your heart, to your mind, you can carry it for all eternity because it will not fade away and it will not change. That's the Word. That's the truth that Jesus gives to us. And that's where we want to be, following this Word. It is our roadmap for our life and for our church. With that established, let's move on in this passage of John chapter 8. So remember now, verses 31 and 32 are spoken to believers, those who believed on Jesus. But the audience of speakers now changes. And that's important for you to know. Verse 33 begins saying, they answered him. Who are the they? Who's talking here? Well, it's not the believers now that we see in verse 32. It's not the believers that Jesus is speaking to in this particular space. It's lost, godless men now speaking to Jesus. How do we know that? Look down at verse 37. He makes a reference to them. He said, I know that ye are Abraham's seed, but ye seek to kill me because my word hath no place in you. Well, that's not a group of believers. Those are lost men, unbelievers, centered against him, wanting to kill him. So those who are speaking now changes between verses 32 and 33. Again, I want to affirm to you that this kind of study can be very complicated in places. But true study of the Word, we have to understand who is speaking to Jesus and who Jesus is replying to. In this particular framework, we see a reply to believers and then a reply to unbelievers. You have to know that in good Bible study to understand what Scripture is saying. So now, here's this crowd around Jesus, all mixture But the Pharisees are now in control of the conversation again. So Jesus is speaking to lost men here. He is is giving word to those who are godless men. So with that, let's look at verses 33 forward. Listen to these words of God. Begin with 833. They answered him, We be Abraham's seed, and were never in bondage to any man. How sayest thou, ye shall be made free? Jesus answered them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, Whosoever committeth sin is the servant of sin. And the servant abideth not in the house forever, but the son abideth forever. If the son therefore shall make you free, ye shall be free indeed. I know that ye are Abraham's seed, but ye seek to kill me, because my word hath no place in you. I speak that which I have seen with my father, and ye do that which ye have seen with your father. They answered and said unto him, Abraham is our father. 
Jesus saith unto them, If ye were Abraham's children, ye would do the works of Abraham. But now ye seek to kill me, a man that hath told you the truth, which I have heard of God. This did not Abraham. Ye do the deeds of your father. Then, they, then said they to him, We be not born of fornication. We have one father, even God. Jesus said unto them, listen to this now. Jesus said unto them, If God were your father, ye would love me. For I proceeded forth and came from God, neither came I of myself, but he sent me. Why do you not understand my speech, even because ye cannot hear my word? Ye are of your father the devil, and the lusts of your father ye will do. He was a murderer from the beginning, and abode not in the truth, because there is no truth in him. When he speaketh a lie, he speaketh of his own, for he is a liar and the father of it. And because I tell you the truth, you believe me not. Which of you convinceth me of sin? And if I say the truth, why do ye not believe me? He that is of God heareth God's words, yet therefore hear them not, because ye are not of God. I don't know if you get the context of that, but this is red hot in what Jesus is saying here to these scribes and Pharisees. As Jesus talks about true freedom, the Pharisees call out, wait a minute, we are free because Abraham is our father. We're the Jews. We're favored by God. And here's Jesus' very important statement to them, and I don't want you to miss it. Notice that it begins with verily, verily. Those are flag words to say this is really important, what I'm going to say to you. Look at verse 34. Jesus answered them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, Whosoever committeth sin is the servant of sin. Jesus is saying here, it doesn't matter who you are, whether you are a Jew or a Gentile, whether you're rich or whether you're poor, whether you are famous or just a, crowd, a face in the crowd, whoever you are, no matter your place in life, if you commit sin, you are therefore a servant of sin. Your life is outside of God. You're lost. You're hopeless. And you're not free. You're surrounded by prison bars of sin. It doesn't matter how rich you are. You might have everything the world has to offer. Your bank account might be packed full. But if you are a lost sinner, you're a servant to sin, and you're in a prison of sin that you cannot get out of by yourself. Much of the world is in that prison today because much of the world does not have Jesus as Lord and Savior. You know, Gwen likes to watch those home makeover shows. How many of y'all like those shows? Most of you are women. <laughs> because you develop a honeydew list out of those makeover shows and give it to us men. But Gwen likes those shows. I like to watch them every now and then with her. But some of the time, it's a husband and wife team, and they take a dump, and then make it a beautiful home. That's an interesting process to watch. One night, I was watching with Gwen, this makeover couple, and they were walking through a house with just a man, a man who was going to live in that house by himself. And here's what the man told them. He said, I don't care how much it costs what you do. I have enough money that I can do anything you want to do to this house. 
Whatever you want to build, whatever you want to fix, however you want to expand it, I have the bank accounts, you can do that. And this young couple who usually works on a shoestring go, ooh, we got a rich man here. And they did create a beautiful, beautiful home for this man. But as I watched that show with Gwen, more and more the Spirit of God dealt with me saying, that man might have all the money in the world but he's in prison. I had been working on this sermon. He's in prison. They had to bleep out some of his words because they were curse words. And he just had this rough characteristic, and it was so easy to see that he did not know Jesus as his Lord and his Savior. And at the end of that show, just mentally, I thought, Lord, I pray that someone will come by that real fancy, beautiful house and tell him the way to the beautiful home of heaven because he's so lost. He might have everything that the world has to offer, but he doesn't have life, and he's in prison. You probably know someone in your own life somewhat like that. They have a lot of the world, but they don't have Jesus. There's one solitary way out of that prison, and that is Jesus Christ, the way and the truth and the life. No man will come to the Father, and no man or woman will come to the home of heaven but through him. That's the truth. Amen? That's the truth. We see it stated from the Old Testament through the closing page of the New Testament. That's the truth. Jesus is the way. And there is no other way. The world says, oh, there are plenty of ways. As I described this morning in my class, you know, a lot of the world says God sits on top of a mountain. There's roads that start all off at the bottom of the mountain. Whichever road you choose will lead right up to God at the top. That's not true. The Bible says there's one road, one exclusive route to the Father God. And that is through Jesus, His Son, the Christ. And we believe it. That is the truth. Look at verse 36. If, if you want to underline one verse today, this is it. John 8, 36. If the Son, therefore, shall make you free, ye shall be free indeed. So Jesus says, I follow my Father God. He is the way. He is the one road to freedom. And that's the message that the whole world needs to hear. There's a way out of the prison of sin. And it is through Jesus Christ, the Savior. And we cannot cease to preach and witness that one message, church. It's the message that the world needs to hear. I love that we come together and that we worship together, that we're family together. And we can see that the family is growing now in in in-person worship. I'm grateful for the family that joins us by streaming. But the one message is that we don't contain the message in a sanctuary or in our home, but we take that message to the world where it is needed, where people are lost and needing a Savior. We are the representatives and the witnesses that take that message to the world. We'll look at verses 38 and 39. John 8, 38, 39. Jesus says, I speak that which I have seen with my Father, and ye do that which ye have seen with your Father. They answered and said unto him, Abraham is our Father. Jesus saith unto them, If ye were Abraham's children, ye would do the works of Abraham. So Jesus is saying, I'm following my Father here. My Father God sent me, the Son, the Lamb of God, to this ministry 
and you Pharisees are following your father. I'm following my father. You're following your father. And they call out, well, our father is Father Abraham. We're of the chosen nation. And Jesus says, no, no. Abraham's not your true father. And this is where it really gets tense. Jesus said, no, no, Abraham's not your father. If Abraham was really your father, you'd act like him. He was a deeply godly man. He was righteous. Scripture calls him the friend of God. You Pharisees don't act like Abraham at all. If you were Abraham's children, you would lift me up, not try to kill me. Abraham loved and followed the Lord. If he was your father, you would love me because I am of the father. He said, no, Abraham is not your father. Let me tell you who your real father is. Look at verses 44 and 45. Ye are of your father the devil, and the lust of your father ye will do. He was a murderer from the beginning, and abode not in the truth, because there is no truth in him. When he speaketh a lie, he speaketh of his own, for he is a liar and the father of it. And because I tell you the truth, you believe me not. Listen, friends, that, that statement did not endear the Pharisees and the scribes to Jesus. You know, basically, what could have happened here is they entered in conviction that we are far away from God, that we are following the devil rather than the Son of God, Jesus the Christ. They could have made a decision to change course and to accept the Savior, but instead their hearts just got harder and harder and more set against the Savior, and their hatred only deepened. Rather than turn to love, they turned deeply into hatred against Him. I don't want you to miss the big point here. These Pharisees were powerful men. Popular men, rich men, respected men among the Jews. They were considered the royalty of the Jewish line. But Jesus did not sugarcoat the truth. Jesus did not cower down to tell them the truth, the absolute truth. You're lost and you're sons of Satan. And if you continue to follow him, you will live in Satan's home, which is hell. And that's where Scripture ends today. I know it's an uncomfortable place. But here's the truth that the church of Jesus Christ cannot miss. Go back to verses 31 and 32, where we started. Then said Jesus to those Jews which believed on him, If ye continue in my word, then are ye my disciples indeed. And ye shall know the truth. And the truth shall make you free. Church, we must continue to preach and teach that gospel, that good news, that message. We will stand on the truth about marriage. We will stand on the truth about the sanctity of life. Babies belong to God and not to an abortionist. We will acknowledge that Satan is absolutely, as Jesus says here to these scribes and Pharisees, Satan is still alive and still well. And on his agenda, he wants to drag the multitudes to his future home, which he knows will be hell. I'll tell you this, church, when Jesus spoke this truth, he was not popular with that group. 
We see that throughout the 8th chapter of John. These people wanted to kill him because he spoke the truth, and he would not compromise the truth. And in this modern day, when we preach and teach the truth, when we preach all of the Word of God, we will not be popular in a lost world. The lost world is not going to come by and pat us on the shoulders for preaching the truth. The old world would love to erase and ignore this word. We see it's been erased in classrooms of the United States. It's been erased in the law books of the United States. How sad that is. But woe to the preacher of the church that molds the word to suit the world. We stand uncompromisingly on the truth of God here. We continue to send missionaries around the world because the world needs to hear the truth of Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior and Him alone. I can promise you this as we see in Jesus. Our stand will not always be applauded by the world, but it will please the Lord. It will invite His blessing and His favor upon the people who will stand on his word alone even when it's not popular even when it's not applauded the blessing and favor of God will remain with that congregation amen I want us to be that congregation that stands truly and firmly on the word of God it's not just a commitment of three preachers four ministers of the gospel here it's not just the commitment of deacons. It's not just the commitment of certain groups. It has to be a commitment of us all, that we all agree together, that we will uncompromisingly stand on the Word of God and the Word alone, even when it's not popular. I pray that we will rededicate our lives to be the church of Jesus Christ, that all of us are in agreement, that we will stand on His Word and His Word alone. I pray, I pray that this roadmap holds us together. Before I close the sermon today, if you have never come to Jesus as your Savior and your Lord, this is your truth today, and I want you to hear it. If you should die in the next minute without Jesus, the Bible says you will inherit hell as your home forever. I can't change that. I can't sugarcoat that. Jesus would not change it. Jesus would not cower down in saying it, nor can we. The lost will inherit hell. That's what the Bible says. But the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ is that this moment you can say yes to him as your Savior. You can say, yes, Lord, I believe that you died on a cross for me. The perfect Lamb of God took a sinner's place, and you shed your blood and you died that I might be forgiven. You rose from the grave that I might have eternal life. Lord, I believe that. Jesus is standing before you right now with this invitation. Praise God, he allows me to speak it, but it's his invitation. If you need me, you come. I'm waiting for you to be my son or daughter. I have moved the mountain of sin, and I have unlocked the prison door of sin, that you might be free indeed. But you have to say yes. You have to say, Lord, to be free. Will you come today? If you're streaming today, will you come to him right where you are? Living room, kitchen, car, wherever you are, will you come today? He's waiting. He's willing. 
for every one of us to be a son or daughter, free to live his will. Let's pray together. Our Father, our God, thank you for these moving words today, Lord. Thank you, Father, that we can move out of Satan's house and into the Father's house simply by calling Jesus Lord, Savior, the God of our life. That invitation is open to every single person, Father, just as Jesus did not condemn the adulterous woman when she said, Lord, he will not condemn us if we call you Lord, Savior, and walk with you. Father, thank you that invitation is open to every person, no matter of color, no matter of nation, no matter who we are in the world, no matter the depth of sin in our background, every person from, from four, five, six years old to the end of life can say yes to Jesus. I pray there's someone in the sound of my voice that needs to say yes to Jesus today. And that that eternal commitment will be made before the service closes. I pray for we who are believers, Lord, that we will live by those words that Jesus spoke in John 8, verses 31 and 32. That we will abide by your word, that we will live by it, that we will minister through it, and that we will be free as we serve you. Bless us, Father, as a church commit to stand on your word alone. Church home, whatever the need, bless us in these moments in Jesus' name. Amen. Clifford Baptist Church invites you to join us for worship every Sunday morning at 11 a.m. For more information about our church, please call our church office at 434-946-0555.